come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. He was only 42 years old when he died from a heart attack thought to be brought on by a prescription med overdose. But I suspect impacted bowels was a big factor considering the autopsy showed his colon was completely packed and he was sitting on the toilet when the attack happened. Anyhow, the king was found dead on the bathroom floor of his mansion at Graceland on August 16th, 1977. Thanks for the visual. My... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> My story today, Holly, is all about the haunting of Elvis. Yay! Now, this episode I dedicate to my late mother-in-law, Jean Corchero, who, like many people, absolutely loved and adored Elvis Presley. I grew up hearing all about how Elvis was spotted after his death and the conspiracy that his death could have been faked and he's still alive. But I also heard from many who reported seeing the ghost of Elvis and the feeling that his spirit lived on at Graceland. There were very strange and unexplained events that started right away, even as the flashy white hearse carried Elvis Presley to his resting place. Because he was the king of rock and roll, there were many, many fans who stood outside the gates when his funeral was performed at Graceland. Two women were killed and one was critically injured when a driver who was drunk, of course, lost control of a car and hit the crowd waiting outside. Really? Yeah, you didn't know, know about that? No. Yeah, it was, it was pretty sad. Oh, and my God. I had no idea that happened. The hearse was a 1977 Cadillac, and it was one of several that was rented out at the hearse car dealership. After the funeral, the hearse ended up being owned by a company called Crane S&S. The owner asked his son, who was 21 at the time, to drive the hearse to another funeral home who had requested to rent it. The son and a friend of his agreed to drive the car to Florida and then spend a few days having fun at the beach before returning back to Georgia. This trip was familiar to them both as they often rented to the same funeral homes in the past. They always put gas in the car before they left and it usually got them to their destination in Florida. But this time, the car ran out of gas before they even were out of Georgia. After walking to get gas, they were back on the road when all of a sudden, just a few minutes later, the engine suddenly stalled. When the boys tried to turn the ignition key to restart the car, the engine caught on fire and they had to escape for their lives out of the car. The car was completely ruined and was towed to a wrecking yard. So a lot of drama around the funeral. Yeah, a lot. That's weird. You know, the ghost of Elvis is well-traveled and seen in many places. His ex-wife, Priscilla Presley, claims to have full dialogue with his spirit on a regular basis. That's weird. He also regularly haunts Graceland and is seen looking out windows, especially on the second floor. That's not so weird. (laughs) I love looking out windows. It's a nice pastime. It makes sense that he would haunt Graceland, but talking to his ex-wife, it's like... "Mm." His ghostly appearance is seen getting food in the kitchen... And sometimes he is seen running up the stairs from tourists who must have surprised him touring his home. 
It is interesting to note that the tours will not allow any guests on the second floor of the home because they say that was the private quarters of Elvis and where his bedroom and the bathroom where he died is located. What do you think the chances are that Elvis didn't die? He just didn't want to be in the limelight anymore, so he faked his death and he still lives there? Of course, the fans believe he faked his own death, and that <laughs> is the reason they aren't allowed on this floor. Sorry, Thanks, I, Holly. I do that all the time. I'm stepping on no, your story. No, it's, it's great. Sorry. You just, I don't no. even have to do the work. <laughs> uh, but I think... No, it's literally thoughts that I had come to me while you're telling well, me when I say them, and then I'll... They're logical <laughs> thoughts. You're obviously thinking. I am. I, I, both sides of my brain. I don't mind it at all. All right. But I think ghosts like a bit of privacy. I mean, that's another theory, right? So Elvis has been sighted at the Las Vegas Hilton Hotel, and it makes sense he is seen in this location because he regularly performed here, renting a full penthouse in the hotel and was staying here during his final concert performance. Hmm. It is said he regularly hangs out in the basement of the hotel because that was the area the musicians would wait right before going up an elevator to the concert venue. People say they see him in the elevator also, and he vanishes quickly when a guest enters. Huh. The RCA recording studios in Memphis, Tennessee, also have reports of his sightings. Even though his studio is long gone, the building has been used often for TV studios and shoots. The stagehands say his presence is felt so often, all they have to do is say his name, and he responds with electrical phenomenon, like light bulbs bursting, Lights turning on and off, so his name literally holds power. So, if you think about it, you're Elvis Presley, and you've had a, probably a pretty good life here. Like, you became super famous, you're a well-known musician, you traveled the world, people loved you and adored you, and then you die. And you're like, you know what? I don't want to move on to the next level. I love it here. I love this place. I'm going to stick around. I'm going to go to all the places I used to hang out. And I'm going to just relive my glory days all the time. Why wouldn't he haunt Earth? Like, that would make sense. Yeah, and, you know, I imagine, too, there must be a religious group out there saying prayers in the name of Elvis. You know what? Amen. Let's make our cult. Oh, I'm be sure it's already Elvis. been done. <laughs> I am sure it's already been done, I'm Holly. sure it probably has, but we can make our own, and we'll throw in our own belief system, <laughs> and Elvis will be our god. I'd be okay with that. I think we know old buildings may have faulty electrical problems, but the timing on these effects happening right after speaking his name is pretty spooky. That's pretty spooky. Spooky kooky. Elvis's ghost hangs out at the Knickerbocker Hotel, especially in a room he used for some photo shoots for the album cover Heartbreak Hotel. If you want to chill out, just ask for room number 1016, because the biggest complaint received is that people say the room is unnaturally cold. Since Elvis was there in that room, of course, it, it's equated with must be Elvis, right? Mm -hmm. Now, a famous psychic investigator, Dr. Moody, in his book Elvis Afterlife, gives a couple interesting tales of ghostly encounters with Elvis. A farmer who was an acquaintance of Elvis was out one day in his backyard working when he recalls seeing Elvis appear with a big smile on his face, telling him, I've come to say goodbye for a while, Claude. And just for a second, he looked away to see his wife running up the hill, excited to tell him the news of Elvis's death on the radio. Mm. When Claude glanced back, Elvis had disappeared. He must have been really close with this guy to just show up in person. Did yeah. It, did it say what their relationship was? You said they were friends? Just a friend, yeah. Huh. Wow. A man from Georgia had a son called Tony, 
who was a big fan of Elvis and was going through his adolescent drama and rebellion. One day, Tony decided to run away to L.A. and left a note to his dad saying he wanted to become an actor, but he didn't leave an address of where exactly he was going, and, by the way, he stole $2,000 from his dad. Nice. His father, who was also a police officer, was worried sick about him and, despite all of his efforts, had no luck finding him. Hmm. One night, he had a dream that Elvis came to him dressed as a police officer and told him he was also concerned for Tony, his son. He told him his son was running with a bad group and was getting into drugs and all kinds of trouble. Somehow, Elvis could not get through to his son with a message, so he said, I can help by giving you the description of where he's staying so you can find him. Then he tells him Tony's staying near a drugstore right across the street from a diner. So even though L.A. was a big place, it was just enough information for the police to find Tony and bring him home safe. Hmm. The father never told anyone of the dream he had because he was afraid people might judge him. But one day, Tony said, Dad, this sounds crazy, but while I was gone, I kept having dreams of Elvis. <laughs> he would say you would find me and take me home and help me turn things around. That's crazy. A couple of interesting facts about Elvis. He loved guns and often dressed up as a police officer. There were stories that Elvis would stop cars speeding and pretend to give them a ticket as he impersonated the police. Wow. But to their surprise would give them an autographed photo of himself instead. What a narcissist. <laughs> you think? It was thought that his mother changed his destiny when on his 11th birthday, she bought him a guitar instead of a rifle that he had originally asked for. Hmm. So he could have ended up being a cop or the, one of the world's biggest musicians. Right. I think he chose right. Uh, yeah, let's hope. He, uh, he definitely loved the guitar after he started playing it. Now, a couple of odd facts, too, were that Elvis never had black hair. He was born a blonde and dyed his hair black to appear more edgy. And many people don't know this. But wait, wait, Elvis wait, 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 wait. He was born a blonde? Yeah. And he dyed his hair black? The whole time, yeah. But you never see him with roots or anything? Yeah. How did he stay on top of that shit? That's shoe polish. Black shoe polish. I read all about it. <gasps> He's wow. pretty. Pretty amazing, dude. And many people don't know this. But Elvis was born having an identical twin who was a stillborn. I think I did know that. Elvis said he was haunted by his brother because his parents told him they had just buried him in a shoebox in the backyard. What? Oh, my God. I think he wanted to give him a proper burial, and he would often try to find the place but never could locate where his twin was exactly buried. Of course, the tabloids were also full of interesting stories of Elvis sightings and stories of seeing Elvis possibly alive. The Sun had published a story from a farmer, another farmer, named Gifford in England saying he was visited by aliens and was very frightened until the aliens came out of the spaceship singing Elvis's song, Love Me Tender. <laughs> Gifford said... He felt peace like he was one with the universe and knew that the aliens were not going to do any harm. That's awesome. Could you imagine some greys coming out of a spaceship? Love me, tender. Love Maybe it was like true. their welcome message. That'd be so fucking weird. You I know, like, like they picked up Elvis's signal in space. You know, I remember an episode on Celebrity Ghost Stories. I love that show where singer Wayne Newton tells of his experience with Elvis Presley's ghost. Now, Wayne Newton, I guess, had several encounters with Elvis. He said that he was trying to perform a set of songs for a show honoring Elvis and gave an interview saying that Elvis picked out all the songs. <laughs> and when he's on stage singing, 
Elvis will be the one in control, and he uses his voice singing through him. He gets possessed by Elvis? Yeah, creepy, right? And he's just, like, saying this all matter-of-fact. Like, like, oh, yeah, it's not me singing, it's Elvis singing through me. Yeah, Elvis just goes through me. Wow. I'm just along for the ride and the money. Holy shit. Yeah. Have you seen Wayne Newton's crazy eyes lately? No. Okay, okay, never mind. That's another rabbit hole. (laughs) The story that he tells on Celebrity Ghost Story is that one time when he was performing, all the lights went out except one single spotlight that was focused on him. The band continued to play through this technical issue, but he said up in the balcony, he could see the outline of a shadowy figure in the corner watching. As he continued to look up at the balcony, the face... (laughs) I'm just trying to imagine this. As he continued to look up at the balcony... The face became clearer and clearer, and he could see that Elvis was smiling down on him. <laughs> I'm sorry, that just that story makes me laugh. That's funny. It was like it's hazy, but then he comes into focus. All of a sudden, oh, it's Elvis. Yeah. That's weird. Elvis was never religious. He admired too many ideas from a variety of religions to ever narrow down a specific belief system. Like a cult leader? Oh, interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Great, Holly. (laughs) However, he was quite spiritual and carried a book with him, which he underlined and read many times. The book was called The Impersonal Life, which was published anonymously, but later revealed to be penned by Joseph Benner. The book spoke to him so deeply, he would purchase crates of these books and give them away to people. He started speaking oddly to those close to him in the prior weeks before his death. His stepbrother, David Stanley, told Elvis he was headed out of town again, but would be back in time for his tour that was starting. Elvis replied, saying, I just want you to know that I love you, David. I won't see you again. The next time I see you will be in a higher place, in a different place. Elvis also was said to have been worried about a tell-all book by three of his bodyguards that was just released, exposing his addictions and portraying him in a very negative light. He tried to fight it, but he didn't win. You know, fighting, blocking the release of the book. A Bible was found of Elvis's, and written by his hand inside the cover was this saying, To judge a man by his weakest link or deed is like judging the power of the ocean by one wave. I asked my husband one time if his mother ever got to see Elvis perform live. He said that she had the opportunity once, but her parents forbade it, thinking Elvis was too persuasive with his stage performance and hip thrusting. (laughs) Instead, she was able to go see the Beatles, who I guess were much more respectable at the time. Mm. She had a lifelong obsession with Elvis and did collect a lot of memorabilia from Elvis, and my husband said she was very proud of the fact She was born on the same day Elvis was born, January 8th. Apparently, by some reports, there was a book found with Elvis when he died. He had a habit of bringing something to read on the commode, and that particular night he was reading a book on the study of sex and psychic energy correlated with sexual positions and astrological signs. Well, that sounds like tantric sex, doesn't it, Holly? Yeah, it sure does. You know, he was probably reading that book, Kama Sutra. Yeah, he probably was. Others report he was reading The Scientific Face of Jesus by Douglas Adams, but I think the family substituted out the first book before anyone could prove otherwise. Just to, you know, keep his reputation, yeah. you know, uh, from, right. from being any worse off damage than it already was. It reminded me of another article a tabloid had printed a while back. 
saying an astrologer had studied Elvis's chart and was convinced he had a terrible astrological curse portending an early death. Really? Astrologer Marie Le Guin was convinced that since Elvis was a Capricorn, the transiting Leo influence at the time of his death was too powerful, which can result in bizarre and deadly behavior. Le Guin said Marilyn Monroe also had this placement in her chart, as well as Jimmy Hoffa. Wow. I wonder if Michael Jackson had it, too. Was he a Capricorn? I don't know. Well, all you Capricorns out there. No, he was a Leo. He was a Leo. So maybe it's reverse for him. So all you Capricorns out there, watch out for Leo transits. I think if Elvis has read this article, he would have had a good laugh since he was also reading astrology at the time of his death. You know, it's hard to know with famous people how much is exaggerated or just made up for profit using his name. As they say, some artists can be just as famous or more so when they pass on. But it did seem that Elvis had a strong desire to become more than just an idol. It was said he started declining emotionally and health-wise when his manager tried to have Elvis star in movies. Elvis appeared in over 40 movies and was said to be completely embarrassed by them over time Hmm. because they took his art form, which he really loved and took pride in seriously, and made him just a cartoon character. Hmm. He once told his stepbrother that he was very tired of being Elvis. Yes. I think a lot of celebrities that happens because you have to constantly be relevant You have to constantly be thinking of ways to stay in the center of the limelight, and it's not easy, and a lot of them burn out. And and burn out at a young age. Yeah, yeah. That's why you get a lot of one-hit wonders. They got all that energy to get that one song up there, and they're like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm out of here. (laughs) Right. It's really hard. My husband's mother was diagnosed with cancer in August of 2018. She was 78 years old, and it was a shock receiving the phone call reporting they had found cancer and it had spread to virtually every organ in her body. Before she passed, just four days later, she would wake up occasionally hearing conversations around the subject of wanting to help her live a bit longer. With surprising strength, she would speak up and say, no, please, just let me be. You see, Jean had a plan. She had it all worked out, I think, long ago. She was looking forward to moving on. Jean passed from this earth peacefully surrounded by her family on August 16th, which just also happened to be the same day Elvis died. Wow. People would say, Jean is dancing with angels now, but truthfully, she's probably dancing with Elvis. In 1987, a man by the name of Kenneth James Parks lived in Ontario, Canada. One night he got into his car. He drove 20 kilometers, which is 12.4 miles in American math. He drove to his in-laws house. He was adored by his in-laws and his mother-in-law in particular called him her gentle giant. When he arrived, he let himself into their home with his own key. He then took a tire iron and bludgeoned his mother-in-law to death. Oh. He then attempted to murder his father-in-law by strangulation, but was not successful. He then got back into his car and drove to a nearby police station. He walked into the station covered in blood and told the authorities, I think I just killed two people. So why did he do this, you ask? Why would you just, um, you know, get yourself caught like that, Holly, (laughs) and just walk right in? Was he super just regretful? 
Nope. Kenneth James Parks was asleep the entire time. No. Tonight, I'm doing sleepwalking murders. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It would totally Heavy. suck. Yep. You want to stay awake for this one, guys. Yeah, don't fall asleep. That's a good, good advice. As it turns out, Kenneth Parks suffered from parasomnia, in which a person has a condition where they get caught between a sleeping and waking state. In this state, the body can move, but the brain isn't fully conscious. When you fall asleep, you move through different sleep cycles. You start with non-REM sleep, which means you're just laying down to go to sleep and your mind is still drifting around to different thoughts and such. Then you move into the next stage of sleep in which your brain slows down even more and you move around less and less. Then you slip into actual sleep, but there is no rapid eye movement yet, but you are in the throes of sleep at this point. The last stage is the rapid eye movement part of sleep where you are typically dreaming and your eyes move back and forth under your eyelids. Most people typically get into deep REM sleep within 90 minutes of falling asleep. Sleepwalking typically occurs within those first 90 minutes. When you wake up, the brain starts to come back up, transitioning through the sleep cycles that it drifted down through while falling asleep. But when you are suffering from parasomnia, specifically in matters of sleepwalking, your brain doesn't make this transition. It goes straight from the third stage of sleep, which is the deep, non-rapid eye movement uh, sleep, to awake. This causes the brain to get locked between awake and asleep. The brain can move parts of the body like it's awake, but it's not fully aware and conscious of what it is doing. In the case of Kenneth Parks, his EEG showed that his brain went from the third stage of sleep, deep non-REM sleep, to awake 10 to 20 times per night. Whoa. Yeah, right? Uh, that is unusual That's even for a parasomniac. Yep. That is unusual even for a parasomniac. Uh, however, most parasomniacs do not commit murder. Uh, there were other stressors that were going on in Park's life that could have contributed to his actions. He had developed a gambling problem and had lost his family's savings to gambling debt. He then started extorting money from his company to pay his gambling debts and was caught. Parks had been planning to tell his in-laws the next day of his transgressions. He was also not sleeping well because of all the stress in his life, so he had sleep deprivation issues. All of these factors could have contributed to his parasomniac state and caused him to act out that stress unwittingly on his in-laws. In fact, startling noises, medications, environmental and medical issues can trigger parasomniacs to sleepwalk. Parks stayed consistent with his story, though, and with the EEG backing his claims of sleepwalking, and no real motive was found to kill his in-laws, the jury acquitted him. How could you live with that, knowing you killed your in-laws? I mean, and, I, and, I would not be able to live with myself. And how fucked up is it that you did it and you didn't even know you were doing it? I mean, how much self-trust would you lose? <laughs> but he had to have memory of doing it. I don't know. It was that probably he, just like a dream for I, him. Maybe I would have to lock. I would have to chain myself to my bed every night to make sure I didn't leave. And yeah, go do you would that. have to. You got to make somebody watch me sleep. And I wonder if that was the very first time he slept, walked, or if he no, had been he had doing been sleepwalking. He, he had, had. Been, yeah, okay. he had, but not to this degree. I mean, he drove a car I, while he was asleep. So scary. Yeah, it's not like they lived next door. He literally had to get in and drive like twenty minutes or something. So he got acquitted because the evidence proved that he was indeed asleep and he really didn't have any desire to kill them. And I think he probably had a lot of remorse over it. So 
Um, it is common to say that if you see someone sleepwalking, not to wake them. This right. is because if you do, the sleepwalker can be shocked into reality and use the fight or flight response to deal with the situation that they f suddenly find themselves in. They could injure themselves or another person. So it's really just best to lead them back to bed if you can. A South Wales man named Brian Thomas killed his wife, Christine, during a camping trip. Brian had suffered from night terrors and sleepwalking most of his life. Brian and Christine slept in separate bedrooms, but when they went camping, they slept together in their camper van. Brian had been taking medicine for depression, but stopped taking it when he and his wife would vacation together as it made him impotent. One night while they were camping, some quote-unquote boy racers, as Brian called them, came into the area in which they were camped and performed wheel spins and handbrake turns, I guess, in their cars. The next morning, Brian awoke to find his wife of 40 years, Christine, lying dead beside him. She had been strangled to death. That is horrifying. I know. I know, that right? so sad. So sad. He told the operator, what have I done? I've been trying to wake her. I think I've killed my wife. Oh, my God. I thought someone had broken in. I was fighting with those boys, but it was Christine. I must have been dreaming or something. What have I done? What have I done? Can you send someone? Tests were performed and confirmed that Brian did indeed have night terrors. The jury was told that Brian's mind did not have control of his body and that this incident could have been triggered because he had come off his regular medication. Oh, wow. Yeah. Initially, the jury was called in to see if Brian should be found not guilty by reason of insanity. Therefore, he would have to be sent to a psychiatric hospital. But ultimately, the jury just found him not guilty. Brian's brother Raymond was relieved by the verdict and said, he's a gentle man and he always has been. He's a good man. Christine and Brian loved each other. Oh man, I wonder I wonder if the wife just was realizing what was going on I, I and God. couldn't Let's hope she didn't wake up. Couldn't wake couldn't wake him up. Let's hope she just didn't wake up and didn't know. Right. I mean, but maybe she would have been able to wake him up though, but who knows? I don't know. It's just horrifying. So here's a fun one though. This one is not as heavy as those first yeah. two. Terror okay. tip, don't sleep with a sleepwalker. Right. Yeah, or a night terror person. <laughs> a night so terror person. No, don't sleep with a night terror because they might terrorize you at night. Famed guitarist Peter Buck also experienced a sleepwalking incident on board a 10-hour flight. Oh, you have a musician. I do. Uh, a 10-hour flight from Seattle to London. He was on board a British Airways flight when he took a Zolbiden sleeping pill and drank a large quantity of alcohol with it. He apparently became unruly aboard the flight, spraying flight attendants with yogurt and wrestling with the flight attendant after he tried to grab the control panel for the plane's exit door oh. while exclaiming he was going home. <laughs> apparently, Buck became enraged when requesting another drink and was refused. He had already had 15 glasses of alcohol by that time. The captain gave him a yellow card, which is a warning. He swore at the captain and then tore the card up in his face. <laughs> Buck then sat next to another woman on the plane and told everyone she was his wife, even though she what, was his wife. What year was this? Uh, shoot, I don't think I wrote that it down. Was it prior. wasn't too far. It wasn't too far ago. I think it was like 2010. Oh, and they didn't turn the plane around and like. I I, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Oh, I don't remember exactly. Uh, then he upended a hostess trolley and sent stuff flying everywhere. As he was helping clean everything up, he hit a knife up his sleeve. Buck claims he remembers none of it, and he has no recollection starting from taking a seat and waking up at the police station in Heathrow. The trial, however, did not disappoint as many celebrities came to his defense as character witnesses. U2's Bono, 
said that Peter Buck was famously peaceful, and Michael Stipe said he was a Southern gentleman. If convicted, Buck faced up to two years in prison and a 5,000-pound fine. But of course, the court system could not stop a rock star from fighting for his right to party. Buck was acquitted on the two counts of common assault and one charge of damaging British Airways property by a jury. But the best part is that Buck's excuse was that he was asleep the whole time and did not know of his actions. And the most ironic part is that Buck was the lead guitarist for the band R-E-M. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, stand in oh, the place where you live. That is, bum, bum, bum. That yeah. is How ironic crazy. is that? Reports of sleepwalking and sleep talking can be traced back to ancient times and were seen as signs of religious warnings or visions and also linked to supernatural behavior. One Rhode Island woman said she could leave her body and travel to her doctor's house. She could even describe his wall hangings. She also claimed to have seasickness while on the boat across the Long Island Sound, all while sleeping. A German woman said she could leave her body and visit the moon while she slept. A sleepwalker in Scotland learned astronomy and geography while he slept. Another man in Massachusetts said he was able to take down a mystical experience, but only while holding a pen in his teeth while he slept. And yet another woman from New York claimed she could visit a lake that resembled hell in her sleep. When she looked into the lake, a man lunged out of it at her, but was unable to reach her because chains bound him from reaching her. She was able wow. to see Christ and angels around him before leaving the lake and returning to her body. From a religious point of view, sleep puts humans into a space between the conscious and the unconscious, between heaven and hell, between angels and demons. Scientifically, we have brain waves that are always vibrating through us. In beta, we are fully awake. In alpha, we are starting to fall asleep. In theta, we are in non-REM sleep. And in delta, we are in deep dreaming REM sleep. Einstein was in an alpha state in most of his waking experience. I, I think alpha and theta is, is where you creative. get most of your information from whatever you're tapping into. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting when I, I think heard it's, that. Because he would say that if he was working on a problem, he would think about it, think about it, think about it, and then just forget about it. And then, and then all of a sudden, the answer would come to him. Right. Which and is, that happens to me, too. That I get insights like, like that, too. It would just download into yeah. you consciously. Yeah. Me, too. I really get it when I do massage. A and lot. Einstein would oftentimes take walks around, you know, the neighborhood. And because he was in that state, he would get lost. And he'd have to tell people, hey, I'm Albert Einstein. Can you show me back home? Like, how do I get back home? And It is said that when we are in the theta stage of sleep, which is the non-REM stage of sleep or stage three, it is the same stage as the sleepwalking cycle. That is when people that have sleepwalking problems, that's when they're in that stage of sleep is when that happens to them. It is also when we get our spiritual and psychic downloads. We learn things easier and we problem solve the best. Or if you believe the earlier accounts of people claiming to leave their bodies to visit other places, this also makes the case for astral projection, which is the intentional act of leaving your body to visit other places. Yeah, so astral projection, you're not taking your physical body at all. You're taking your spirit body. Right. And it's almost similar to remote viewing because you're able to see. Right. Um, but the experience is different. I wonder what the main difference is between remote viewing and astral projection. It seems like it would be the same thing. So remote viewing is your review, you're not physically there. And astral projection 
you're actually visiting the place physically. Really? And you can feel and experience it as if you almost have a real body. It's a weird feeling, but you can walk through walls. But your consciousness doesn't allow you to believe that's possible. When you start to do that and you hit your spiritual body starts to feel it's a thicker, thicker barrier. Mm -hmm. You just get sucked right back into your sleeping body. Oh, interesting. So most people can't get to that level with astral projection. Usually what happens with most people is when they realize they're out of their body, they float for just a few seconds up above their body or in a corner of the room and go, hey, this is freaky. This is so cool. And then the next thing they know, they're back in their sleeping body. So they can't have much control over it. I think some people who get really good at it, they're when they actually leave the room and float out of the building, they want like a string attached so they can find their way back to their body. That's called the silver cord. And it's it's been talked about many, many years throughout history as being the life cord that connects your soul to your body. And if that silver cord is ever cut, you can't get back to your body. That would be scary. And so there are theories that, you know, demons or um, other entities, if there are any out and about and they're nefarious, can do that. They could harm that cord or make that happen to where you you're just floating out there as a ghost. Right. Right. A ghost with a sleeping body and then possessed by someone that's not you. So they can go into that's your a body. They can go into your body when you're out floating around. Do, yeah, they, do they cut the cord so you can't come back? Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they don't cut the cord. There's space for them in there. Ew. And Ew. You, and they get in there. Oh, there was this creepy book I read when I was little. It terrified me. The Babadook? It was called The Twins or something like that. And one, tw one evil twin wanted to be the other twin, and that's what she did. Ew. She took over her body during astral projection. Ew. The Jose Silva method was also big on using the theta stage of sleep for receiving information. Jose Silva discovered he could get his children to learn faster if he simply talked to them at night as they were falling asleep. If you are able to stay slightly conscious during this phase of sleep, you can receive information that you might need to solve a problem or to get clarity on something. So isn't it interesting that this is a stage that we can receive psychic information, but it's also the stage where we can sleepwalk? What are the odds? The sleepwalkers are just people who are sleeping and because their minds are in the deeply receptive stage and perhaps open to a spiritual dimension of some sort, something else is able to enter into their body at night and take over and commit these terrible acts. That's right. Perhaps that stage three non-REM theta cycle of sleep is where the shit goes down and something of the spiritual side can come into our bodies, have their way with us. Why not? People have tried that sleepwalking murder defense, but they have been convicted. They haven't gotten away with it. So I just wanted to focus on the couple that they were legitimately let go for this, which I thought was kind of interesting. And, of course, I had to bring R.E.M., the band, yeah, into this. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. That was great. Cool. And it makes me wonder how many people were legit sleepwalkers and they did get convicted with the crime. There was more convicted than not because a lot of people don't buy it. They're like, really? Yeah, you were, come on. There was a guy in Arizona, he like stabbed and drowned his wife and they convicted him. He's like, I was asleep. They're like, bullshit, you were not asleep. Plus, yeah, I think they were, she was planning to leave him, so he had motive. Like, right, I, think I bet it's motive. Without the, with the motive part is, yeah, for sure. And also, you know, we don't know a lot about our brains even today. And so if these crimes were committed years ago, 
they didn't have the science or even the know-how of how our brainwave activities work or how sleep works. Right. To the extent that they know today. Yeah. So those people didn't have a ghost of a chance. Now, there have also been reports from guests thinking Elvis's ghost hangs out at the Knickerbocker Hotel. <laughs> Where's that? I have no freaking idea. <laughs> I remember an episode on celebrity ghost stories where singer Wayne Nelson tells of his experience with Elvis Presley's ghost. Wayne Newton? I, of course I know it was Wayne Newton. <laughs> of course, I knew that. Uh-huh. Josh I knew saves that. the day again. <laughs> I knew that. Thank God. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't psychically connect this week. What's that about? All right, well. Show off. Hold for geese. <laughs> See if I can. They're my children. I'm just communicating to them. I'll be done soon. He developed a gambling problem and had lost his family. Family's fuck. Brian and Christine shared separate bedrooms. <laughs> I just realized I said they shared separate bedrooms. No. As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts, and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys, be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode.
He was only 42 years old when he died from a heart attack thought to be brought on by a prescription med overdose. The king was found dead on the bathroom floor of his mansion at Graceland on August 16th, 1977. Thanks for the visual. My, <laughs> my story today, Holly, is all about the haunting of Elvis. Yay! One night he got into his car. He drove to his in-law's house. When he arrived, he let himself into their home with his own key. He then took a tire iron and bludgeoned his mother-in-law to death. He walked into the station covered in blood and told the authorities, I think I just killed two people. So why did he do this, you ask? Kenneth James Parks was asleep the entire time. 